0: Of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself, how could I really be happier as a dentist? Like I want to be happier. Well, I brought on one of my favorite of all time, Dr. Gary DeWood from Spear Education. And I asked him, let's go inside a real awesome restorative practice. Like, who are your favorite? Who's really happy in dentistry? And what does it look like? And today he shares his formula, three things you got to get figured out in order to be happy. Please listen to this. It is awesome. I know you'll enjoy it, we'll see you soon. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You know the jam here. The jam is my job, is to find the best thinkers, the best mentors, the best teachers, the best anybody in dentistry to share some great information, great insight to help you create a better practice and a better life. And today I bring in one of my all-time favorites. This guy is one of my go-to guys. Number one, he was important in my journey. Number two, he just tells you the truth. Number three, he's been a part of a lot of your journeys and we're going to really go into what a real great restorative practice looks like, because everybody thinks they know what it looks like. And so we're going to debunk a lot of those myths and talk about the possibility of future of what PPO dentistry or fee-for-service dentistry looks like with Dr. Gary DeWood from Spear Education. How are you, brother?
1: I am I am well, Kirk. It's always fun to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Every time I listen to your opening and I, I think, okay, who's coming on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you're so kind. You're so kind. So I'm going to do a little intro and then I, I want you to do a little intro, but I'm just going to tell you who this amazing man is. He's the guy I call... You know, on a regular basis, I don't even ask him to come on the podcast. I just tell him to come on the podcast because he's just therapeutic for me. Uh, I met him through my panky journey. I see him on the road all the time. I've had tequila with you at Rouse's house. We we always share really good thoughts. And you always leave me with really, really good words of wisdom that I'm like, whoa, that's pretty heavy. I got to think about that one. And sure enough, later on down the line, I'm like, Gary was right. So... Gary, I just love having you on here, but if I'm a young listener and I don't know what Spear Education is or who Dr. Gary DeWitt is, give us a little background. Who are you?
1: Well, thank you. Uh, Actually, I'm a small town dentist. I'm from a rural town in Ohio. Um, Practiced there with my wife for decades until she decided to leave me as my dental partner. We just celebrated our 45th anniversary. That's awesome. Uh, And she went back to ortho school. And uh, since that time in practice, I've been doing teaching, and I've been involved in some wonderful places. One of them in Key Biscayne, uh, one of them up in Seattle, which we moved to Phoenix, and that's still where I am today. That's called Spear Education today, and uh, I have the privilege of getting to spend time with some of the best people in our profession, who are interested in being better at what they do.
0: Yeah, you do, and that's why we're going to go there today, because I love this profession. I've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, I have these conversations with dentists and we see all this great dentistry. We hear all these stories. I like to call them fish stories. You know, it's like, how great is everything? And I really want to know from your perspective, like what's, what a great restorative practice looks like. But before we go into the details, let's talk about the why. Like you've seen a lot of good stuff. Give, if I'm a young listener, what's the why of my career in front of me? What would you say to me?
1: Well, I'll go slightly philosophical. Okay. I don't I don't mean to get esoteric here, <laughs> but but you know, Aristotle said <laughs> and I don't know that anybody has really changed anybody's mind if they disagree with this, that the whole purpose of life is is to be happy. Mm-hmm. That that's what everybody is seeking. And in fact, when you the more I have thought about that, read about it and talked about it to people, the more I believe that to be true. The difficulty is no one can define what it is that will make you happy or what things you need for you to be happy. That's, that's when you get into the whole thing about you have to decide for yourself what it is you're after. What, what do you want? Mm-hmm. How, how are you going to decide that is not something anybody can help you with. And there are many people who, well, let's just say that I have heard tell of, let me put it that way, of many people who said they were incredibly unhappy. And in, and when you read the story and you get to know some things that part of their unhappiness was maybe what made them happy. It's what they were after. They felt martyrs. They felt like they were giving something up. And how could you be happy with that? You could be very happy with that if that was if if you were dying for something worth dying for. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. Then is that not happiness? Anyway, my point in all that is this: I have no idea what will make somebody happy. I have some really good ideas. About success in dentistry, because I think there are some things we all share. And I have never met a dentist who told me that they were happy as a dentist who didn't also feel successful as a dentist. Okay. Um, with that second word, all the same stuff is true. I can't, I have no clue what would make you feel successful in dentistry.
0: Yeah. So I'll got, this is going to be great. So if you guys listen, this is, I want you to really listen to this and absorb this. And I'll start with, people always ask me, how'd you get into industry? I'm like, I have no idea. That path was chosen for me. I'm probably a God thing. And then the second thing I would say is I would have gone off the deep end had I not been in rooms with people that are like, no, don't go that way. Don't go that way. And I would still touch the fire just to make sure it was hot. And then I would go, Yes, they're right. And those are called mentors. Those are people that would put you in headlocks and go, Come here, this is a great way to think about things. And so I don't think I could have ever learned anything without the help of another human being early on. And then the second thing is being open enough to listen to what a great person is trying to tell you. Speak to that.
1: Now, I'm going to expand this. I don't think anybody has ever learned anything especially you know people who pull themselves up by their bootstraps when you hear their story who do they give credit to right it's always the people who were just what you said their mentors the people who inspired them to do something um in so many regards i'm going to say that everybody has to figure out a way to do that and i think it's impossible not to well, uh, it's impossible to feel successful at the end and say I did that all myself because I've never met that person. Um, and again, there are some people who I don't know their story, so I suppose there might be someone out there who never got help from anybody. I can't imagine how that could even be possible. But I have plenty of people to blame for that, you know, yeah. lots of them. And as you said when we were talking. You know, sometimes you hear it and and you still kind of jump in and then you realize, yeah, that was right. And to me, the only difference between, well, the only difference between someone who's willing to take a chance and someone who says that doesn't sound right to me is usually years of wisdom. (laughs) And the wisdom comes because you did it before or you tried things like that. And sometimes it's because you chose not to listen to advice. Right. Right? And so I I think that there's this balance between. Well, for me, it's interesting a consultant and a mentor, and you and I have had this discussion before. I'm sorry, a consultant and a coach. There's a time in your life when you should have a consultant. I believe this. And that's why I said I don't think anybody does it all themselves. There's a time when somebody just has to tell you what to do do this. Well, first, first of all, I would offer this for what it's worth from my own personal experience. If you say to somebody, I don't know what to do because you trust them and they don't immediately ask you, what do you want? It doesn't matter what they say, don't listen. Because right. <laughs> that's going to be about them. Right. If you know this person and they say, well, what are you after? Not, I honestly believe unless you have some sort of an outcome in in sight, any advice you get is is just going to be so what. Totally. Consultants can tell you do this, and there's a time in your life when you need to listen to that. Yeah. Coaches would stay in that question. What do you want? What do you believe are the options to get you there? I mean, you know this because you do this all day, every day for people. Um, a coach is somebody who already knows that you have everything you need to be able to do it. And there's a point, it takes time to get to that point, I guess. So in answer to the first question, what, what do you want? If I, can, if I can clarify that for myself, if I could see that, and that, that is totally, and it's an internal thing, It gets lots of names, but I'm gonna use the one that I hear most commonly, which is called vision. What is your vision? You know, what do you have as a vision? And and for me, it's just, what do you want? Yeah. What are you hoping to get? And by the way, it's gonna change throughout life. It changes all the time. It's like yeah. looking at the horizon, it's out there, I see it. Um. By the way, every every step you take toward it, it moves a step away, because mm-hmm. that's where it is. That's where it exists. Yeah. So I think that what we have to think about doing is asking people to spend some time in their head before we can begin to answer those other questions and be advisors for them. And unfortunately, sometimes that gets in the way for some of the people who are looking, because I remember being, just tell, you know, what do you think I should do? And I, what I really meant was, tell me what you think I should do so I can make up my own mind anyway. <laughs> and, the, and the real true question, if you want to speak to somebody, you, you consider, this is how I sort of rate this. Um, if somebody asks me what should I do, I will tell you my first response, and you've heard me use this one before because I use it with dentistry all the time, is I would love to talk about what you could do. Because should is a power word, and I don't want the power in this. This is my, I, I'm not the person looking to decide.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay? And now, now I can answer your question. Based on what I know, this is what makes the most sense to me. Yeah. And that works for everything in life, I think, not just talking to patients. It works for your own life. What, what do you want out of, out of a practice? I can't talk to somebody who comes and says, so somebody just recently told me, you know, I'm not having fun doing dentistry. And I said, what's not fun? And uh, it turned out that they're not fun because here's what happens. What, what do most people hear when they hear that? And I, in my experience, most people hear I'm not making enough money. Right. And this had nothing to do with money. This had to do with the stress that the person was feeling because of the systems that were in place and the practice they were in. And sometimes the best thing you can do is find someone who gets your story out of you so you can hear it for the first time. (laughs) Because that person who I was talking to had never really identified what the what the real issue was for them
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and made that statement as they're talking and telling me all this stuff they looked at me and said you know i never really thought about that's really what that's really what makes me crazy
0: yeah all right so gary here's one of my questions i want you to take us into what makes your heart sing you know, when you see all of these people come to spear education and you see thousands of them per year, some people, they come and they come, they're open and they're excited. What are the ones that make your heart sing? Like, give us a description of what you see, male, female, whatever, make your heart sing as these dentists grow. What does it look like? What does it mean to you?
1: All right. So let me paint a picture for you. I have a young dentist. Uh, an associate in a practice, been at been at school, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say four years. So long enough to have have enough experience to be able to not feel like they're just on the total uphill climb. Some things are becoming regular and routine. They're frustrated. Uh, they're frustrated because when they were in dental school, patients said yes to the dentistry they recommended. People aren't saying that anymore. And the advice that they get in the places they are is often, well, you have to sell people more dentistry. Uh, The ones who make me really glow are the ones who I I get to say to them, part of the problem is that we were all taught to sell people dentistry, and unfortunately, nobody wants to buy dentistry. Mm -hmm. No one alive, no human being alive wants to buy dentistry. They want to buy something that dentistry will get them. And so when we try to sell them dentistry, we're existing in our logical mind because it's how we were taught and we're scientists. Of course we would go there. Unfortunately, that doesn't move the needle and the difference is, you know, people go to dental schools for one of two reasons. One of them is cost. The other one is that they believe that's where the experts are. By the way, that has been shown in two surveys the American Dental Association has done over the years. Those are the two reasons. By the way, those two almost always are equal in the percentage of people who, who select those. Really? Yes. I wow. believe that's where the experts are. So, I promise you, none of your dental school patients believe that you were recommending anything. They all believed it was the experts who were telling you what to do because you're a student. And that makes perfect sense if you think about that. It's why when you get out and one of my favorite questions to ask people when they come is, did you notice a difference between interacting with patients about the dentistry they needed when you were in school compared to when you got out and you're in the real world? Everybody says yes. So what's the difference? I mean, more of them, it's like, it's like they're not listening or hearing me. I said, they're not. Mm -hmm. So for me, the ones that really light me up are when someone comes back and actually I'll come back and loop around to the whole dental benefit plan thing in a minute. Okay. let's just set that one aside, is what I love to tell hep people, and I say, well, you know, go back and this time, don't talk about the dentistry. Don't talk about the dentistry. We were taught this way. Here's a list of what's wrong with you. I have this list I made of what's, everything that's wrong with you. I have this other list I made of everything I'm going to do to fix it. Here's how much that costs. And then if they said, no, thank you, you're supposed to now educate them. I said, why, why don't we educate them first in this, and then just stop? So try this next time. Next time you're talking to somebody who has a bunch of things they didn't know about and they're receptive, they're asking some questions, they're in, go over everything that you've discovered and then just stop talking. After a few seconds, if there is not something coming from the patient, say something like this. Um, Kirk, based on everything we just, discovered, and saw together, which of those things do you believe is the number one priority that we should be acting on immediately? Mm-hmm. And look them in the eye. Now, if they say something like this, um, well, could you tell me again? Don't be hurt. Don't be surprised. Remember that almost all of the population on the planet, for sure in the U.S., has been conditioned not to listen to our lecture because it might make them buy something they don't think they want Mm -hmm. because that's been their experience in the past. And if you don't go there, it'll be different for them. I promise you they will hear you the second time. Because they know you're not going to ask them to buy anything, right? You're done. You just say, "Hey, I'm done." Um, what lights me up, and it happened last, a well, week before last, somebody who came to our second workshop, which is the occlusion workshop, because uh, we think our kind of first one is facially generated treatment planning, occlusion is second, and he. I met him in the morning, he got there probably about an hour before the workshop and I was up turning on the computer up front and stuff and he came on there and he was all excited. I can tell he parked his stuff and he came up and he said, I just have to share a story with you. He said, I went home and I did what you talked about and I cannot tell you how many people have asked me to do their dentistry. And I said, well, tell me more about that. And so he had a whole story. He said, you know what? I just, I, I just stopped telling them the treatment plan yeah. until they asked. And all of a sudden, when they asked, it was it was very different. That's what lights me up because the truth is this, it's exactly the same treatment plan. Nothing changed with what you knew to do or didn't know to do. What changed was your ability to allow the patient to have a reason to want to hear that. And unfortunately, that's not how we were trained. Yeah. And I, So I guess that's what lights me up by far the most. And here's the fun part of this. It doesn't matter because one of the things that I hear from a lot of people, like I said, what will classify this person as an associate somewhere is they don't have a lot of control over what they choose to do, especially with regard to participation with a benefit plan. And it's the other thing that lights me up is when someone calls and says, I have a patient and they decided to opt out. You and I have had this discussion in the past, And opt-out means that they chose to have dentistry that, and pay for it out of their own pocket because it was not something that that clinician could provide within that benefit plan. And there are a lot of things that are like that. And I don't mean they're not allowed to, I mean, financially you can't do it. Right. Because at some point you got to sort of decide, I mean, how much, What are you willing to sacrifice to be able to do something for a patient? And by the way, I I think it's noble. I I don't hear this. I don't see this as a negative. Somebody who tries to figure out a way to do good stuff at a lower fee, I love you. Mm -hmm. Good. That's wonderful. But what are you willing to do to make the fee low? Right, and unfortunately that's that's gonna be like an endless cycle i mean the the cheaper you do it, the more cheaply someone will ask you to do it,
2: yeah,
1: and at some point, it's this race to the bottom and um and, and I don't mean that don't hear this wrong i some of the best dentistry that I have ever seen came out of places that lots of dentists bad mouth every day right as being as being mills and stuff. I've seen some beautiful dentistry out of places like that, right. I've seen some really crummy dentistry out of places that had incredible reputations. Yeah. Right? Is that? I mean, I, what I mean is that's not what it's about. Obviously, it's easier to not make the bad stuff happen if you're being paid enough to do stuff.
0: Right. Let me, okay. throw, let me throw one more thing at you because you're, you're tweaking okay. a nerve. So one of my favorite dentists ever said something similar. said, you know, when you slow down, and really it comes down to how many people pay your full fee. When you're really slowing down, you get to know people and you're doing great dentistry and they pay your full fee. You don't nickel and dime them for anything when they come back and you don't have you're like no 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 we're not charging for this when you're in a PPO environment. And no, you're,
1: can I can I rephrase that?
0: Please. Yeah.
1: You already charged for it.
0: <laughs> yes, you did. You already charged for it.
1: I did. When you're I in charged for what will be necessary. To make sure this is the best
0: possible, and people come in and go, oh, thank you. What do I owe you? And you go, no, 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 just. And then no. they bring you stuff. Yes, they bring you muffins. Now, on the other end of it, when you're racing, you're outrunning the wolf every month. You do need to charge everybody for everything all the time. Speak to that. Well, sometimes
1: l- let's just say that it's it's harder. To make something be part of the process, because what you have done is you've broken down what is the treatment plan into piles of little boxes that have to be sold individually instead of being this whole, the whole thing. In like fact, one of my favorite things, and I may have spoken to you about this, and I learned this from Rich Green, and, and I, I'll, I'll go to to big complex cases because lots of people lots of people come to and say I, I want to do big cases mm-hmm. and one of my favorite lines ever is on the first day at facially generated treatment planning planning Greg Greg says something about that a lot of people come here because they want to do big cases um, you know when I was a really young prosthodontist I wanted to do big cases too I found out I don't want to do them as much as I thought I wanted to
0: mm-hmm. why explain why
1: because they're stressful and they it's hard work don't don't hear me wrong it's really fun when when you can see cases that aren't that involved and get to the same end result which is getting people what they want mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you don't have to do those other ones. I think you know, big cases are fun. When people come to you with big problems, that's what you like doing. You like figuring out a way to do it. Uh, however, I will tell you that the older many of us have gotten, one of my favorite ways for a big case is, uh, you know what, I do it all in plastic first and leave it alone for a while.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when I go back, I can finish it any way I want. If they travel, I get it. I gotta do giant hunks. But if they live nearby, why don't we do the upper right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Can I ask you this? I've never asked you this. Break down a mix of services in a four day week in a great restorative practice. Somebody you go like, this is a great practice. And I know we're creating generalizations, but it's not full mouth every day. Like what's, give me an idea of what a great schedule would look like for a really great dentist four days a week.
1: I think you're going to have in a family practice, so it sort of depends on where you are. Like right. I, I practice in a rural environment, and so it would have been there really wasn't. I, I couldn't say I'm only doing this kind of stuff, now. right? Um, I, I and honestly, my day of well, I had a day that was called operative dentistry day, which means that I'm doing some single unit things and I'm doing you know, in my age, amalgam because amalgam was part of what we had then, and that was kind of changing a little bit to composite. But when I started, there was no composite you put in people's back teeth, right? <laughs> no way, <laughs> it didn't exist. Uh, and so the mix was always kind of by days. We would separate by half days, and what you would do is, and I know most most of the people who are listening, I'm sure, have heard the, the the whole idea about rocks in your schedule. So the the rocks in the schedule were sort of half days. And I would say that out of eight half days, if you will, five of those half days are gonna be rocks. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be things that require kind of more extensive stuff. And so in those times, I can do most of what I need to do so that I can do other things other times and fit it around those as appropriate. Let me put it that way. I think it's gonna be a mix of what I'm gonna call restorative dentistry and operative dentistry. That allows you to still have fun. I, I don't want to do class two, class two composites all day, right? But by the same token, I've done some class two composites that were a lot of fun. They were wonderful things to do, and quadrants of composites that were wonderful things to do because they were the, they were the, they were the right service. And you know, I did a lot of stuff for me. I, one of the things I learned in dental school, by the way, if you're cutting in tertiary anatomy, that's for you. Mm-hmm. Own it.
2: Make it put a smile <laughs> on your face.
1: <laughs> Only other person who's going to appreciate it is the next dentist. Right. They're going to go, whoa. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Because if that puts a smile on your face, you should do it. It's it's why I'm old enough to have done it. It's why I polished my amalgams.
2: Right.
1: And when they came back, first of all, there is lit to show that you increase the lifespan, you do all that kind of stuff. You decrease the ability of plaque to adhere to that tooth surface and all this stuff. I just thought they looked cool.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Very so I don't know
1: good. if I answered that. You I, did. I think it's a mix of all kinds of stuff. Yeah, that's the fun thing about being a GP. And then there are some GPs who like doing everything. There were some things that I didn't like doing, so those things I could winnow out. That's yeah. the fun part. It's gonna be it's gonna be a highly individualized picture. I know some people who love endo. I hated endo <laughs> in school. I I did not want to do endo. I thought I should do it, so I took a lot of CE. I hated it more. I finally gave it up.
0: Yeah. And I think where you're pointing to is, you know, it's, it's as simple as Dr. Pankey said, know yourself. I mean, we could talk about know your pain. I think one of the things is once you learn about yourself, now you can start to build something that makes you happy. And the more you move in that direction. Uh, and then I want you to go back to this, the how much is enough. That's a heavy question. And I don't know Amen. that anyone has the perfect answer, but how would you answer that question? How do you teach that?
1: So actually there are three things that I think you need to answer as a dentist. In a practice, you have to answer a question, that question, how much is enough um, for three things? Because these these come up with dentists whenever I ask. I I ask the group, what do you want? Do you want more? And then I wait and finally I say, come on, say yes, I want more. And somebody will find, oh, what? And I go, thank you for asking. What do you want more? And I'm gonna say time, money, and patience come up in the top five, no matter where I am on the planet. Time and time comes up first, always. I once in one of our classes had to wait one minute and 41 seconds before someone would say money. I wait and I finally said this to the to that group. Somebody said money and yelled it out. And I said, okay, now I have a question for all of you. Was anybody in here not thinking money? And of course, everybody started laughing because everybody was thinking money. Nobody wanted to say it. Right. Well, let me tell you the first step to how much is enough. Claim it. I want more money. Mm-hmm. M- money is about choice. Okay. Money is not kind of what I thought I heard when I was in dental school at Case, which was, oh, Gary, if you think about money, you just prostituted yourself to the dollar at the expense of those people you're supposed to be serving. Right. Somehow I heard that. And, I, and, I, and it, it stuck with me a little bit because it got in the way for some things until I could finally claim, well, no. Actually, it's, it's one of the tools I need to use to be able to figure out a way to do the best stuff for all those people. If I say I'm not gonna think about it, I'm not gonna be there. And so for me, it took that sort of a change to be able to say, okay, now I can answer the question. Now let me go to the next part of that. Because I love to say when time and money come up, and I say, we'll come back to patience. And I say, the next question is more important than, than that first one and claiming it. This one's really more important. How much? Mm-hmm. And here's the reason. If you want to know how to answer how much, you have to say, what would I do with more money? For yourself, what would you do with it? If you don't have enough money, okay, and you say to me, I want more, and I say, how much? And you say, well, I don't know, my, my answer is going to be, well, I'm sorry, you'll never get there. Right. Because you haven't established why you want the money in your brain. What, tell me what you're going to do with it. What are you going to do with it? Let's use time because it's a fun, more fun one actually for me to manage. For sure. People always want more time. And so then they, I say, how much? And they go. Um, I said, can I ask ask you another question? This just happened week before last. What would you do with that time? The answer was immediate. Said, you know, I have a four-year-old son. I would would love to find a way to spend more time with him. That would be important to me. I said, okay, in a normal week, how much more time do you wanna spend with him? Now he got into a whole discussion about, well, I don't even know if it had to be in one week. Maybe it's just taking some more days off here and there. Right. I said, okay. How many do you want to take off in a year? I, I'd love to have an extra ten working days that I could do anywhere in the oh. year. I said, excellent. Why don't we sit out and make a plan to make sure that you don't that you have the income that's appropriate to be able to do that? Because once you have a plan, you know exactly where you're shooting for, and you know what I've discovered: most people who make a plan make it happen. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That's the important part. You want to answer how much is enough? What would you do if you had more money? What would you do with it? That will allow you to establish a number. Right. You know? I'm going to pay my rent. Perfect. You want to eat? Let's add that in. Right. You get my point. Totally. And sometimes it takes a facilitator to be able to take you through that. Right. Because it's hard to see when you just know you need more. Yeah. When you're frustrated about about time, and I'll go to that one again. If you're frustrated about time, and you feel totally stressed out, and you don't have time for anything. I always say, "How much more time do you need?" Right. And if they can't answer that, it doesn't matter because it won't. It it doesn't work. And here, here, please. This is the most important part. You can change your mind whenever it's appropriate, and sometimes it's appropriate as soon as you said that what you think you want. <laughs> you say, "Well, I think I want this," and then you go, "You know what, though." That, I'm serious. That's what happens. As soon yeah. as you begin to establish a claim, just show me the target so that you can see it yourself. As soon as you can see the target, I can say, "Right." what ways do you see would be possible to get you there? I hear often, I don't know. And I say, well, why don't, why don't we investigate some possibilities? Because now right. we can talk about what might be possible. What could be possible? What could you do to make that happen? Right, I got. Lo- you got to say, what are you going to do with more time, more money, more patients? What are you going to do with them?
0: Right. This is brilliant because I could see the effect of being. We always say specific is terrific around here. Vague is the plague. So hey, when, hallelujah, be super specific. And so I'm a big fan of the seven to three without a lunch, only because I watched it transform so many dentists and team members' lives. And so I think if you're a dentist listening, the four year old child is like the most amazing thing because I was always a sports family. My thing was getting to the baseball diamond. It wasn't extra. Out. It was just being there. And I don't know a damn thing about baseball, but man, I love kicking dirt. I love kicking dirt. And I love talking to those guys. The head coach of the baseball team, my son was on would never let me coach third. Cause I never knew anything about baseball. He'd say, you go to first cause you can tell him to run to second. I'm like, I can do that. And I'd bring sunflower seats. But the fact was, I would thank God every day because it's America. You can do what you want and you can kick dirt with a four-year-old boy or a six-year-old yeah. boy. And that's in the end. Now, I love this, Gary, because I think once you get, you call it out, you can be specific. I want you to talk about number three, because that's going to lead to the whole benefits thing, which is a huge challenge. Now, let me, ask, let me tell you why I'm going to ask you about. You said time, money, patience. The patience one is brilliant because- I don't meet one dentist in the United States that isn't busy. They're all too busy. We meet solo GPs that have 2,400 patients. They have no time. It's crazy. They just want to add, add, add. And I'm like, you have 2,400 patients. You're one dentist. And they go, I know. I know. And can you speak to that?
1: Uh, and again it goes back to kind of the model that somehow we were taught or we learned that you know if you got lots of new people coming through um one of the things that well it and again i was inspired to do this by some by my mentors some somebody said um one of the best realizations that you can have is that you can't be everybody's dentist
0: mm-hmm. tell me okay. more explain that
1: as soon as I realized I couldn't be everybody's dentist, it didn't have to be okay for for me. I don't want everybody to come to me. And what I love, what I've learned in the years since is this, okay? First of all, if I have more time than patience in my life, I have to say, what is getting in the way of more patients coming here? If I have more patience than time, I have to say, who am I letting in? Because I have to, I don't have a choice about picking who I spend my time with in life. I mean, you know, one of, one of my favorite lines is, you know, I mean, Cheryl, has said this, but I've heard it said lots and lots of ways. Cheryl, life's way too short for me to spend time with people that, I, that don't want to be happy when I'm with them. Right. It just ain't worth it. True. You know, come on. So that is totally true. I think it works also for the other end. When you have more people than time, the question that I ask people to ask themselves is, what group of those people, or or as more people come, what group of those people would you want more of? which goes to this one. When you talk about patience, there isn't, we can add an addendum to this because time and money both are just kind of singular things. things. Right. But we talk about patience and I put up a modifier and I say, well, you know, everybody wants patience more. Because by the way, you never end that. If you stop taking patience, your practice will wither. Right. Okay. Somebody said once you're either growing or you're dying. And I said, well, I don't necessarily agree with that. There's this time in the middle when you're sort of going up kind of around the hump, whatever it is up here around the, I don't know how far it is to the ends before. Here's the beginning, here's the end, somewhere in here. There's this thing that can occur called homeostasis if it's a human being and balance if it's not. Right. And what happens is the number of people who are moving on for whatever reason they're moving on is balanced by the number of people who are coming in. Okay. So it means you're going to have to have new people. But if you haven't clearly identified who those people are that you would choose to spend your time with, who are you looking for? It's gonna be hard to say what should, what would be the best thing we could do to recognize those people and then find a way to have more of them and get them here sooner. Okay, now the number one thing for patients is this, I believe this. If you want, first of all, you have to know what you want. Right. When people say, you know what? If they call, make them an appointment. And I say, is that how you plan your life? (laughs) How's that working out for you? Right. Because usually it's chaos. Right. Put them in the schedule. Had a dentist, uh, one of our clients. Decided they wanted, they, wanted, they wanted to grow the practice. You know, think about maybe adding somebody and all this stuff. So Let's just say I just took them to the, okay, they wanted 100 new patients a month, solo practitioner. I said, okay, perfect. I tore off four sheets of the giant paper that I had their schedule on. I drew a week on each one. And I said, put 100 people in that schedule and then and then go ahead and block in your rocks for me. So they came back to me after about an hour and they said, we decided 35 is a great number. Right. I said, step one, just yeah. identify what you want. I got what you meant when you said 100, and that's just because 100 is like, I want to get, I want a high flow of new patients. But the first thing you got to figure out is, what is it really? What, what do you really want? And then I say this, then commit to it. Put them on the schedule. Right. Schedule. It's amazing. You will do things you don't even know that you're doing to have those people in those blocks. Seriously. It's what happens. This sounds totally crazy, but anybody who has experienced it knows this. If you can't identify what it is you want, it's harder to hit it. As soon as you identify it, you do things that you don't even know will have an impact on that because you already know what you're after. And and from that, you will distill ways to figure out who you should be putting in those slots. Because you'll have some questions and some filters that will help Help you figure that out. By the way, one of those filters for many of the practices I get to work with is backing out of benefit plans that are taking a very high percentage of the revenue. You know, because here, here's the deal. First of all, and you and I've had this discussion, so I'm going to claim it again because I think it's important. If you want to change the mindset around dental benefit plans in your practice, whose minds have to change first? It ain't your patients, it's right. you and everybody in your practice. Right. And it's why a number of years ago, I made a conscious decision that I still live by today. I love dental benefit plans because they are exactly what they're supposed to be. And they do exactly what they're supposed to do. And then I love to ask crowds. I, I just asked this last week as well. I asked this group of about 200 people, tell me one thing a dental benefit plan doesn't do that it should do. And I waited and I went, for about 15 seconds, nobody said anything. And then somebody. Yelled out something they should cover, da da da. And I said, Why? Mm -hmm. There is no answer for that. Right. This is not their why. Right. They're a business. The business is designed to allow patients to receive a commodity because it's been commoditized. That's what code numbers are all about. It's a commodity, it's just this. And we can find a way for you to get that and give you some assistance toward having it. That's the whole point. Right. And what we're going to do for that is we're going to take some money for making that happen. Right. By the way, great business model. Yeah. Good. Excellent business model. By the way, and sometimes dentists curl their eyes when I tell them, I said, it's their job to get you to work for as little money as possible because that's the business model. Now, The upside, and some plans actually do some things like this, is they do that with the intention, and some of them do, of being able to provide benefits for more things. And some of them do some of that stuff. Some of them don't. But it's a business. And a business exists to make a profit. Let's never mix these together like somehow it's a big calling, because it's not. Pardon me. Yeah. And and so in that it, it free I honestly believe, and I can only speak for myself, it liberated my mind. Cause I don't I'm not gonna get down with you and say, when you walk in my office and and I know I use this one before so people have probably heard this one, you know, where somebody walks in and says, I have this dental insurance, but it sucks. And then I say, Yeah, they all suck, and then you and I both now are whining and it's like, tell me what good that does anybody. Right. And they really don't suck. Until you tell me what you're basing that on, they're exactly what they're supposed to be. Right. when that mindset can change in your practice, now we can go to the real thing about this, because this is what I find with team members. The biggest pushback I get when I talk about that is they say, "Well, yeah, but you know my, my team, my team, you know it's real important benefits are important to them." And I say, "Well, some benefits are really important to me too." I mean, God, if I didn't have medical benefit if I didn't have medical benefits." I, I got to tell you, you know, Cheryl went in the hospital. She had a staycation at Mayo. Mm-hmm. She was there for a month because they were trying to figure out what was happening for her. Um, my retirement plan was gone. It would have been gone. I mean, there was nothing. It would have been gone. All right. Benefits are really, really important. Right. When they're really, really important. Right. Okay, here's the good news. The people at Mayo didn't, wouldn't have not done that if I didn't have a benefit plan. They would have said, that's what you got to do. And then we would have figured out how to do it. Right. Isn't that what happens? So if you can change your belief around that for yourself, and by the way, honestly, it takes some work. You have to, because there's a lot of anger involved in this. Right. I have no anger toward them. Because it's not productive and it's especially not helpful to patients. If my mindset is that, why would a pay, well, then a patient is gonna pick up on that and they're gonna, now we're both righteously indignant mm-hmm. and patients don't do anything. People will do whatever is in their best interest in any way they can. It's why you've probably given money to somebody whose child needed a heart transplant and their benefit plan didn't allow it. You did it because you're trying to help them figure out. Guess what? We all do it every day. Right. Now that doesn't mean that everybody all of a sudden says, "Okay, I'm doing stuff." What it means is that it frees us from. I'm not getting. I don't have to get in the box. Kirk, you're welcome to come to my practice in any box you want to be in. I'm totally fine if you're in that box. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be open and upfront with you. There are some things that I I can't do within the confines of the allowance of your benefit plan. Yep. It was aimed at average. I'm gonna argue that what we're, what we're proposing to do together is not average. Love it. And by the way, it's well below average when, when you're talking 42 to 45% of a UCR fee being removed. Because my, my first question when everybody talks about you know what percent is, I say, well, sorry, are you comfortable telling people your full fee and looking them in the face and not having to look away or look down? And some people, some people blink a little bit and go. Oh, and I say, "Well, then it's, so high. it's too high." Because <laughs> you have to believe it. For sure, you got to believe it's the right fee. If you think you're charging too much, you are. Yeah. And some. And what happened in medicine? Why are the fees in fees in medicine so so inflated? No physician thinks they're worth what they're asking those people for. Right. They're doing it to play the stupid game. It became a game. How much can we charge? Yeah. What did I read? The Inspire. It's like $118,000 or something is the average cost. Really? Because somewhere, some benefit, some insurance company paid that. So now that's like the cost. Nobody pays that
2: right. in
1: benefit plans. Somebody was explaining this to me. Um, a physician actually was talking about it. And so what they do is they charge this fee that's ridiculous. And then the benefit plan says, okay, well, based on this and this, here's what we're going to pay. And they go, okay. And many years ago, I had a whole little shtick about that. A friend of mine went to Swedish Hospital in Seattle and had this whole bill. And there was this part that was adjusted off because of the benefit plan. And I said, here's the fee they, Here's the fee that is the fee that was charged. Here's the fee they collected. That's the fee. The fee they collected is the fee. Wow. Because <laughs> Swedish. last time I looked, Swedish Hospital still there. In dentistry, at least, we haven't gotten to that point. Right. And it's because, thank goodness, nobody came up with the idea that that benefit plans, you just pay for it all. Right. Anyway. well, Sorry, I, I got way off field there, didn't I? No, but I,
0: I, you did not because I'm totally tracking you. And there's a lot to consider here. I think what you proposed is brilliant. I think as a dentist, if you're listening, you figure out the time, the money. And how many patients, and you remove the self-limiting beliefs of, well, I don't work in the right area. You don't understand. Those are self-imposed limiting beliefs. Or my patients won't come during the day. Or, you know, those are things you're- By the way, as soon as you believe that, they won't. Right, right. And I always tell dentists, your problems are never your problems. They're how you think about your problems. Because I have dentists all over the place that- have created incredible lives, but it's their life. They know how many patients, they know how much money, and they know how much time. And time is the new rich for me. I'm 53. Like every, I I need time. I need extra days. I need extra, you know, I want to add another 100 years to my life. I don't think that's going to happen. But, like, I want to get the most out of every day. And so um, leave us with a couple last thoughts. If I'm a young dentist listening, Gary, I want to go to. I want you to tell us about spear education. and All that we'll get to that. Um, but give me right. some thoughts for a great career to be happy in dentistry. Final thoughts.
1: All right, and I thank LD Pankey for this one because um, I got the privilege of working with a group of dentists from Korea a number of years ago, and at the end of that time, um, one of the they actually have a very structured study club group. So the leader of the club was it somebody? He said. I'm asking his questions, the group who wants me to say, what is the most important thing that you believe you've shared with us this week? Because they spent a week with me. And I said, know yourself. And he looked up at me, he said, that that was good, but what was the most important? (laughs) (laughs) They said, that's it. Yeah. The rest of it, this, this will sound really, really stupid. The rest of it becomes incredibly easy as soon as you can answer that question. 100%. And by by the way, I should say this, actually, I shouldn't have said easy. I should have said it becomes incredibly simple. Mm -hmm. It's not easy, right? but it's simple. Because if you know yourself, you've answered those kind of questions. And the number one question I think that every dentist can answer for themselves is how much is enough? It doesn't matter where you are in your career. It doesn't have to be that's in stone and that's all I get. It has to be right now, at this point in my life, to the horizon, as far as I can see it, how much is enough? What would make me be able to go home at night and say, I'm okay? Mm-hmm. Answer that for yourself, answer it. And then and then say, is there a way for me to get that? Yeah. Because sometimes what you find is that you, you need to identify it and say it to yourself so you can hear it for the first time.
0: Yeah. And then when you figure it out, make it a regular paycheck that you get all the time that that's where you get paid. And yeah, then
1: don't, you know, yeah, you'll learn. I, fortunately, I had some good business advice early in my career. That take a salary.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Take a salary. That's your income. Don't take any other money out of your practice until you sit down and think about what are we going to do with that money?
0: 100%. I told
1: I had, you. I had a, a $350,000 month. I'm buying a Porsche. <laughs> I spent the next month putting it all in. I did $12.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't take a salary, it's never enough. So, Amen. Yeah. So, Gary, I want you to tell people if I've never been to Spear, like, how do I, where do I start? Like, tell me where to go if I'm listening to this podcast.
1: Well, you go online, speareducation.com, and you can. Look at all the things that we do. We do workshops. We have online learning. I think most people, I'm sure, who are listening to this are aware of that, or <laughs> you're technical enough. And, and I, I know that, and I know this because the AGD tells me that our online stuff, we do more online AGD credits than anyone else in the world. Um, and it's because we have lots of stuff there that people can go and find. It's If it, you join, then you, know, you become a member of Spear Online. But we also do campus workshops. Um, this year, we have a couple of live seminars. Um, one in Boston, I think, and one in Phoenix, and, and next year we're probably going to do some more of those. So we're getting back out there, although the whole dynamic around that, you and I were kind of discussing that before we got started, has, has changed. It's coming back to some degree, and a lot of people are missing opportunities to do that. And so we, we, the decision was made, yeah, you know what? That's an important part of what we do, just to get out and say hi to people. And, and once again, people are looking forward to being able to look somebody in the face when they can. Uh, we, on-campus workshops are the things that I am most involved with and practice solutions, but the on-campus workshops are just for me the highlight of what I get to do, because it means people come and spend several days with us on uh, very specific things and like when we're, when you ask me what lights me up, that I will say that almost without exception, those are the things that give me a chance to get lit up, both first time I'm with somebody, but then also Anytime they come back, because I I want to hear I love to hear the stories, I love to hear the things that work, love to hear the things that didn't. Yeah, you know, because that that that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Uh, if you're love to hear from you, you know, feel free. If you go to the website, you can find my email and just my last name at speareducation.com. And love to meet you in person someday.
0: Yeah, Gary, you're the best. Now, to be super specific, if you've never been to Spear, the first workshop, facially generated treatment planning. And then occlusion is the second one,
1: right? Occlusion is the second one.
0: Okay. And so if you go to the website, we're going to put some... And
1: and again, we have have multiple routes of entry, but let me just say that up front, okay? Those are the ones I think that if I talked about who are we and what do we believe, those are the things. And somebody once asked me, what's different at Spear than anywhere else? And I said, well, I have a dilemma in that. And the dilemma is that truth is truth and we don't have the rights to truth. Right. There are plenty of places and there are lots and lots of incredible dentists who share the same truths that we share. Okay. The most important thing is go somewhere, remove yourself from what you do on a day to day basis and go somewhere. So you're not, you know, I don't know, maybe you can learn everything you need to know on a screen. Sometimes what you need is a time to be sitting somewhere where it ain't about, I got to go do this next. Right. To be able to think about what it is you're hearing.
0: 100%. Give yourself permission to be there. First of all, I can't do any learning at home because I got people bugging me and kids asking me for money. Hey, can I take the car? Can I do this? Somebody comes to the door. It's hard to learn. And when you're going to a course, you fly to somebody beautiful like some somewhere beautiful like Scottsdale, you can give yourself permission. Get up in the morning get coffee i'm here today and i'm going to learn you're also going to be sitting with other people that are there learning from all over the world so i highly encourage it and
1: wherever you choose to go is the place you were meant to be love to meet you in scottsdale if that's the place yeah
0: Gary, you're the best. I always appreciate you you having... Stick around when we say goodbye to everybody else, uh, as we say goodbye to our listeners. But thank you guys for listening today. I really, really appreciate it. This is one of my heroes in dentistry. I'm going to encourage you to check out his stuff. Go to Spear. Uh, We'll put it all in the show notes. So if you're listening to Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, just flip up to the notes. If you're not taking notes, we're taking notes for you. You can click on all the things that Gary mentioned. It'll take you right there and uh it'll make your life and your practice better so until you guys hear from us next time or you see us next time keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show you guys enjoy your day so there you have it another great episode hope you guys enjoyed it hey and thank you for showing up i just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends and if you're really enjoying the podcast could you do me a favor Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.